What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. We are your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Sunday, March 6th. Sorry we couldn't get our episode out yesterday on Saturday. We usually do post these episodes on Saturday, but we unfortunately were not able to get this one out. Today we are in person, actually. We're not over Zoom, so that's exciting. We've got three different topics for today, or three different subjects, I guess, for today. So we've got college basketball first, and then we've got... NFL and then our last our last segment is a fun segment and we've kind of got two topics for that so we've got a you're wrong man of the week and then we've got some news about NFL commentators and everything like that that we kind of want to go over and give our thoughts on here but yeah our college basketball topic is, is almost like a, a fun segment in itself it's we're going to be going through the, the power five conferences as well as the, as the big east and we're going to be picking our conference winners for all those conferences so that'll be that'll be fun to do and then we're also going to do i think on tuesday we're actually gonna we're we're gonna like pick our whole we're gonna pick the whole bracket for all the conference tournaments so that's going to be a really long segment and a fun segment as well um so we're going to be picking our conference winners today and and then we're going to be going through the whole bracket of of our conference tournaments on tuesday matt what's up yeah, so March is not just March Madness. It is not just the NCAA tournament. It's every type of basketball tournament, conference, anything that you got there when it comes to college basketball because that's kind of the, I think, the forgotten piece, especially when it comes to March Madness and all the excitement around it and stuff, is that you, you play against your conference for, for most of the season, and that's kind of how you end up being judged, right? So, you know, if you're in the ACC, you're playing against all the other ACC teams. If you can beat a lot of them, then you look good against your your you know your conference competition, um, and, and that's kind of you know you'll, you'll be ranked based on that. You'll be seated in the you know based in the conference. And so what happens is the end of each season, once you've played all your all your basketball games for the entire season, um, as well as all the conference games, so all the the, the, you know, the, the last like 20-ish games of your regular season that are against teams that are in the same conference as you, uh, one team is named the conference champion. And, and it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit confusing in the way that they kind of word it. So normally we would think of, you know, if, if you're if you have the best record within your conference across the entire re- regular season, then you know if you win your conference, it's it's you win your conference in the regular season. So that's what when you hear people are gonna gonna start throwing around like you know regular season conference champion. That's kind of the that's kind of the deal is that you haven't there's no tournament that's been played. There's no, you know, there's not kind of anything else going on there. It's just that based on the wins and losses record that you had playing against the conference teams for the whole season, you know, you are the best team in the conference. And it's usually done by win percentage based on the, you know, the team, the teams you play in your conference. So then after that, once the regular season is done, you obviously have, right, the regular season champion, but like, in most cases, the regular season champion doesn't really as matter as much as the conference tournament championship. And so that's kind of what we're getting into now. This week, the conference tournaments are going to start. And so that's kind of like a mini version of March Madness in which only the teams in each conference are playing a bracket-style tournament, and the champion of that conference is now the conference tournament champion. So in some instances, and actually quite often, you can have a, one team who's the regular season conference champion who is, you know, won the most games in their conference, have the, has the best record, whatever, and then a different team who wins the conference tournament championship because, it's again, it's a bracket-style tournament. It's it's single elimination. So, you know, if you run through your conference and you win all the games in the conference tournament, you beat everybody that's, that's on kind of your, you know, in, in your bracket, then you'll be the conference champion. But there's also the regular season champion who, you know, proved their quality and their worth throughout the season. So that's kind of just to clear up a little bit of confusion before we start getting into this in case kind of, you know, everybody listening isn't, isn't exactly sure. Cause you know, for, for the most part, like, you know, so what, what me and Hayden are going to do today is we're going to pick who we think will win each of the conference tournaments. And so they'll be crowned the conference tournament champion, but you know, you may hear like Wisconsin, Wisconsin won the big, the big 10 tournament. Sorry, the Big Ten Championship. So they were the regular season champions. They won the most games. They had the best win percentage, whatever, right? But, like, you know, we we may pick Iowa. We may pick Michigan. We may pick, you know, any other team to win the conference tournament championship. So it's kind of two different things. And I just kind of wanted to clear that up before we, before we started here. But, right, as I said at the beginning, this is the best part is that there's so much more to just – 
you know, March college basketball than just, you know, than just the NCAA tournament. So, yes, you know, in two weeks we'll have brackets and we'll be talking and everything like that. But kind of as a precursor to that, we have the conference. Well, actually, in one week we'll have the brackets. Yeah. Um, but as a precursor to that, all the conferences do their own conference tournament. And so that's kind of the, you know, what we're going to get a, get a little preview going for today. We're going to pick who we think will win each of the conference tournaments. And then, want, because there's still games that are going on today, and, and they're kind of still going to seed out the brackets and stuff for the conference tournaments, we will go through all of the brackets for the Power 5 conference. So all the, the conferences that we covered today in terms of picking winners, we're going to go through the entire bracket on Tuesday once we have them released, because uh, most of them start Thursday. So that'll kind of be a good timing there too. So yeah, so that that's kind of the breakdown in case it was confusing. Hopefully that made a little bit of sense. Um, and uh, I think we're I think we're ready to get into it. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think, and kind of just to go off what Matt was saying, is like a, a lot of these conference tournament winners, they get a lot of momentum going into March Madness. So that's like that's also a big thing with conference tournament winners is that like they may not be the team that won the conference in the regular season. They might they might not be the the team that, and they're actually most likely are not going to be the team that has the best record in their conference during the regular season, but. A lot of times they get a lot of momentum going into the tournament. We saw it with, I think it was Oregon State last year or a couple years ago or something like that. So, yeah, like it, it, a lot of teams that are unlikely to win it do win it, and then they get a lot of momentum going into March Madness, and that actually boosts them, you know, in their in their I guess bracketology status. So, yeah, let's let's right get right into our first college basketball topic here. And it is the Power Five conferences and Big East um, conference tournament winners. So we're just going to give our winners for today, like we said, because the a lot of the conference tournament brackets haven't come out yet, so we can't do the whole pick every single game, which we will do on Tuesday, and that'll be that will probably be like the the whole episode, if not just you know three quarters of it. So. Yeah, we're going to be picking the winners today, and I guess I, I mean I guess we can just start out with the outlier, the Big East. Okay, so you know a lot of people probably thought we were going to start off with SEC or, or Big Ten or something like that. No, I, I want to go with the Big East, and this is a this is a pretty tricky conference. I think this is a good one to start out with because it's it, we do have Villanova, we do have Providence in there. Um, you know, Butler could always make a big run. They're they're always kind of kind of in there in the mix. Xavier as well. They like they're all they're all good candidates to win this conference and i think i think a lot of people you know will, will definitely it, it'll come down to villanova and providence in my opinion and i do i do want to pick villanova and this is you know it's kind of a mainstream pick but i don't know that providence is gonna is gonna be able to do it and matt matt can actually talk about uh um uh stat with providence i don't, I don't know if it's, it's not really a stat but it's kind of just like a it's a cool thing to know with Providence, um, and we we talked about Providence on this podcast a lot recently, and it's because they they have been like so weird this season. They've been perhaps you know the luckiest team ever in college basketball in in terms of how they get their wins, um, you know by how much and in what ways they get their wins. So I I am gonna go with Villanova here. I think that I think that Villanova just has a really good team. Um, you know, you know obviously they're they're uh, highest up in the ranks right now in the, in the or, wait did providence pass them actually or is, or is it well they i think providence was ahead of them but again they played earlier this week i think they played on on went tuesday or wednesday and villanova, yeah, villanova won, won. so like villanova was like 11 and providence was 9 so by the time that kind of the, the next ap poll comes out by the time the conference tournament starts villanova will be at a province right yeah so so yeah i'm, I'm going to go with villanova here I, I don't think that providence i mean again providence is probably going to be going to be coming off that loss at, you know, kind of kind of broken hearted and they're going to want to get back at Villanova, but assuming both of them either go to the championship and play each other or they play each other sometime in the semifinals or something like that. I think that Villanova is going to come out on top and, you know, if if Villanova beats Providence, then I think they're going to they're going to go all the way in, in the conference tournament. So that's going to be my pick, Matt. What do you think? I yeah, it's tough. I think that Villanova is definitely going to be the the probably the heavy favorite to win. Um, and, and it makes sense because, I mean, they, you know, they won how they won a lot of games in the Big East this year. They want to get a lot of games overall. They're going to be a top 10 team. And the thing is, they beat Providence twice. And so, you know, you kind of each team sort of, you know, in most cases you play twice throughout the regular season. But Villanova beat Providence twice. And so that's kind of, you know, even more, I think, of, of kind of reason to pick Villanova to win the conference tournament. I mean, I. I think I think Villanova will probably win it, but kind of just to, to to kind of just you know give some diversity here, so I'm not copying Hayden on every pick here. Um, I I will pick Providence, and 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 
Mostly because, so we talked about kind of Providence's luck factor and all that. Um, I, I saw a stat that popped up uh, when when we were when we were kind of going through it earlier, and Providence is ten and one in games decided by five or fewer points. I mean, that's just you know we talked about their their luck just being great, which like yeah, you know it, it takes skill to to win close games, but like that's I mean you know that's the odds are, are heavily stacked against you and they were still able to win those games and so to a certain extent you have to say yeah th- this may be a little bit lucky but I think that kind of that in combination with the fact that like I said you know kind of when we were arguing about this was like to some extent you learn how to play in close games you learn how you know you learn who to give the ball to you learn how to run your offense how to play defense so it's like I think that being in close games is probably good for 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 a lot of these teams and especially in the conference tournament, like that's that stuff happens all the time. So I'm going to give Providence as my tournament tournament winner, not only because they've kind of proven that they can win close games and that they have the uh, you know they have the skill and the talent to keep up with teams like Villanova, but also because I think they need to do this, right? I think just to kind of prove to themselves. So th- th- this is the first time they actually they won the Big East regular season tournament. Again, this is kind of you know. Um, kind of how the differences are dispersed here. It's like Providence won the Big East regular season championship, right? And so we're going to go into the conference tournament. Everybody's going to say that, that you know, Villanova's going to win. So you're kind of thinking, well, wait, you know, Providence won the Big East regular season. Why is Villanova? But again, like I said, it's it's kind of, it's just based on your win percentage. And again, like I said, I'll, it's going to be, I'm going to save it for the fun segment, but I'm, I'm going to give some, I'm going to give some, some pretty fun stats, kind of how the Big East regular season championship came down to the wire. But I think that, yeah, I think to just to prove themselves to everybody to say, you know, hey, we can do it. We can be here and especially if they cross paths with Villanova at some point they have to get that game done um you know they were at Villanova and they and they and they only lost but they were down by like like 15 points at halftime they came back they only lost by like one or two they could have easily won the game if they had just made a couple threes to end it there so I think that you know they need it they really just need to win this game or 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 win this tournament but if they do face Villanova win that game specifically so um so I'm, I'm gonna take Providence just just to you know just to get some diversity here but also kind of I think there definitely is an argument as to how they can you know kind of solidify themselves as the best team in the Big East yeah, that's uh, that, that's a pretty good pick too. And again, it could go either way. I think that that game is, I think it's going to be close whenever they do play. And I think that, Prov- I wouldn't be surprised if Providence takes Villanova down again because they Villanova's beaten Providence twice. And so, on one side, you can say, okay, well, Villanova has their number; they're just going to beat them for a third time. But then, as we've always preached on this podcast, there's always the other argument that Providence can you know can win that game just because it's hard to beat a team twice. You know much less three times. So it's just like that. there's always that argument where you can say that, okay, well, you know, the, it's going to be at a neutral court as well, so it's, it, there's not going to be any home court advantage or anything like that. So Providence may may well come out with that victory. Now moving on to SEC, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the SEC second again because I kind of mentioned it right before Big East. But, yeah, moving on to the SEC, I think, you know, again, there's kind of – there's kind of like three or four teams that I think are kind of in the mix here, and, and that's going to be Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, and then like maybe an Alabama-ish. Um, I, may, I may be forgetting one team, but yeah, I mean, these the SEC is stacked uh, this year, and I've, I've been saying it all season. I think that the SEC is the best conference in college basketball. I think that they – I wouldn't be surprised if they have like, you know, two or three teams in the Elite Eight. That would – they would not surprise me at all. So – I think with this one for the conference tournament, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Tennessee, and I I really do think that Tennessee's got a great team. I've been high on Tennessee pretty much all season. They've had a couple kind of disappointing losses, but they all, they've also had a lot of great wins. So I think that kind of balances out their resume there. You know, again, Kentucky is 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 a great opponent, and you know Auburn as well is is a, is a really good team. But again, I'm ten, we saw Tennessee beat Auburn last well not yesterday but last saturday so yeah i mean that could always happen again you never know so if they if they do meet the tournament that would be a possibility but then again like you could have kentucky beat auburn and then and then tennessee has to be has to beat kentucky anything like that can happen there's like these conference tournaments again we're kind of just speculating right now because we don't have the structure of them yet but and it'll kind of just depend on the structure so like we may have the thing about what we're talking about right now is that we may have are, are winners right now, but then when the structure of the bracket comes out and the seeding comes out, we could say, okay, well, you know, since Auburn is playing 
Tennessee, then Tennessee's going to win, and then Kentucky's going to beat Tennessee. We could say something like that. It just depends on who's playing who in the tournament and, and, and when they're playing, right? So I'm going to take Tennessee here because I've been high on them all season, and I don't really want to – I want to keep my confidence in them. So I'm going to go with Tennessee. Yeah, and I think that that's – I mean, that's a good pick. I think Tennessee, they they run this interesting uh, – it's almost like a three guard system where they're kind of always and the, you know, the three guy I don't know any of their names so it's kind of my bad on that but um, but but it, it everyone says that you know kind of when you get to March and March Madness and the tournament and everything you know guard play and, and, and the strength of your backcourt yeah. is really how you succeed especially in these tournament style you know kind of situations where you're playing every day and you, you know you got to keep playing it's single elimination all that stuff so uh, I do I do like Tennessee and I think that they're good and obviously you know they beat. Uh, you know, a ranked opponent in Arkansas yesterday. Obviously, you know, Tennessee was at home, but but they, they were throttling them for most of the game. Arkansas kind of made a late run there at the end. But speaking of Arkansas, that's who I'm going to pick to win the SEC wow. tournament. They are on fire right now. I think they're like they're like 15-1 and one in their last 16 games or something like that, or, or maybe – 15 and two now they lost yesterday but yeah i think that they they just have such a great a well-rounded team jd note is their their best point guard and, and he's I, I was listening to i forget i forget exactly what broadcast it was but some point last weekend and i think it was jay billis it was it was either him or you know one of the other kind of prominent college basketball analysts and he was saying that jd note could be the best point guard in the country. And, and that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot coming from, you know, one of those guys who's, who's obviously very well respected um, that, you know, this, this kind of this guy that's sitting there at Arkansas is like, you know, possibly one of the best corner, or, you know, point guards in the country. And so I kind of really latched onto that and just been kind of following them and looking at their stats and diving deep into what, into what Arkansas is doing here. And I think they have a really good team. Obviously, you know, last year they did as well. They were a three seed. They made it to the elite eight yeah. and they lost to Baylor who was the eventual, you know, national champion. So I think that, you know, they have some. They have really have it rolling down there in Arkansas, and I think that they can really make a run in the uh, in the SEC tournament. And I think they can run make a run in March Madness, uh, you know, as well. And I think one more thing I wanted to mention is that they didn't. I forget the other guy's name, but he's like a six six, like stretch four guard, like shooting guard, power forward type of guy, and a. Uh, it's Jalen Williams. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. So he didn't play yesterday. Actually, yeah. he was out because he was hurt, and they still only lost Tennessee mm. at Tennessee by like four points. Um, and so, yeah, so like that, that I think just proves to me even more like, you know, this team didn't even have their, he's pretty much their second best player behind JD Note and like, they didn't even have him and they still really competed, you know, and, and, and almost stole a win against the top 15 team at, you know, at their home court. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely pretty high on Arkansas going in here. And, and I think that they can, I think they can make a run obviously to Kentucky in this, in this, you know, in the SEC tournament is going to be the favorite to win. And, you know, I mean, on, on any given situation Kentucky you know is going to be the favorite most people are going to pick Kentucky to win but I think that you know anything can happen especially in these conference tournaments and, and in a situation too where like you know Kentucky's almost on the edge of being a one seed right now so if they can win the SEC, cha- SEC championship in the tournament um, I think they can very well make a case for, the, for being a one seed so they're going to be out there gonna they're going to be motivated and I'm really excited to just kind of watch the SEC tournament overall to see who ends up uh, you know coming out on top. Yeah, for sure. And I, I didn't even really think about Arkansas. I kind of forgot about them when I was naming the teams that are kind of the favorite to to win the SEC tournament. And one thing about them, Matt kind of noted, I mean, kind of noted it already, was that JT Note and and Jalen Williams, both of them were on the Arkansas team last year, and they have great turn, tournament experience. You know, they made it far in the tournament. So when it comes, you know, actual March Madness time, when when things really really do matter. They could definitely make a run again because, again, they have they have a lot of a lot of experience on that team already. Alrighty, so moving on to the Big Twelve, I'm gonna go Big Twelve next, and again, the the teams kind of you know lurking at the top here are Kansas. You got your Texas, you got Baylor, uh, and then I mean I guess you yeah you, you could say Texas Tech as well, but you know they're 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 kind of I don't know they're they're kind of like. They're lurking, but not really. I don't know. I feel, I feel like they're kind of falling off here towards the end of the season. But for this one, I'm going to go Baylor. I, I I really do like. I think that Baylor is is the best team in this um in this conference. We saw we saw Texas and Kansas play yesterday. I think it was right, and then I think Kansas won. Um, but yeah, but it was in overtime, and I th- I think it was by five or something like that, or six or something. But yeah, it was in overtime, and Texas gave them a, a really good game. So Texas is one of those teams that that is definitely a, a sleeper. I have to give my credit to my roommate Will for kind of, you know, putting me on the Texas because he he was really high on them, you know, even coming to like towards this this last 
back part of the season here. And he, yeah, he called a lot of their success. And so I, um, I applaud him for, for, for telling me about that. And I'll definitely watch out for them in the tournament. You know, obviously conference tournament, they may, they may pull it out as well, but I think I'm, I'm going to go with the favorite here and it's Baylor. And I, I think that Baylor, they just, they know when they have to dominate and win. And when they do, you know, when it comes down to crunch time, they get it done. You know, they, they've got great, great guard play. Like Matt has said, that's the greatest thing that you can have in any kind of tournament situation, any kind of situation where you're, where you're playing a lot of games back to back and you're, you know, kind of relying on late game situations when you need a three from a, you know, from a guard. So that's, that's where I'm going to go with, with my big 12 pick. Again, there's, I would not be surprised if, if, you know, Kansas or, or Texas or somebody like that takes it away. But I do, I do think that Baylor is going to win this. Yeah. The big 12 is, Probably the best conference in college basketball this season. I know that, you know, we always kind of have arguments of like, oh, this conference is better, this conference is better. And it all came to a came to a point last year when, like, everybody was just proclamating that the Big Ten was better than everybody else. And, like, all these te- – and they had only one team even reach the Sweet 16 after getting, like, ten teams into the tournament. And so it was just kind of this crazy thing where we were like and, – and that's kind of part of, you know, when you're playing your, – when your last 20 games are only against conference opponents – that's all you have to judge by, and there's no kind of comparison to other, you know, other conferences, other teams, and stuff like that. So, um, I just think that yeah, I, a lot of these teams have been ranked inside the top 25 pretty much all year, and you have even some other teams, you know, like a TCU, a Kansas State, who haven't really been ranked at any point, but have had some really good upsets against against a lot of these teams. I mean, you know, TCU. Um, I think this week, so you know, they kind of play two games each week. TCU this week had uh, had games against Texas Tech, number nine ranked Texas Tech, uh, or actually that was last Saturday, nine ranked Texas Tech, and then in an, uh, and then Kansas, who was like number five at the time. They beat them both, like two games in a row at home. It was at home both times, but it's like you know TCU, right? Like who even thought? So they'll get into March Madness probably based on those two wins alone. Like they could make a run, you know. So I think this team, this this conference is just really deep. As Hayden mentioned, you have you know Kansas, Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, you know, right? All the, all these other teams. So I think that, you know, in terms of picking a winner, I, I do kind of agree with Hayden. Like, Baylor's going to be the favorite. I think that they can probably make the biggest run. Kansas is going to be a short kind of maybe 1A type of second. Um, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. I've liked them all year long. I think they just kind of aren't really special in any area, but they play really well together as a team. And if they get rolling, you can't really stop them. So I think that given that these tournaments are also kind of in a – you know, a, a neutral site environment where you're not really playing at one team's home court or another, that also gives a lot of advantage to Texas Tech, who, like, doesn't have – I don't think they have – I don't know, because their whole – the whole Chris Beard thing, like, their co- he was their coach last year. He left to go to Texas, and so, you know, people were kind of mad about that and whatever, and so they were getting a lot of hype, and then he left, and then it was kind of like, eh, Texas Tech. But, like, they've been in the top ten pretty much, you know, most of the, the back half of the season here. Um and it's for good reason. And they've had wins on the road against these top 10 teams. And that's what you really look for, especially when it comes to March, because that that really proves that a team is not scared to just go and do, you know, some random building and take down, you know, the juggernaut that's right in front of you. So I think that that's kind of, the you know, what you really want to look for in a in a big, you know, big 12 championship scenario. And uh, and I think, you know, if they get hot, they can make a run. They're also it's kind of like it's kind of either extreme. Like, I think they're either probably going to lose in like the first or the second round or they're going to make it to the championship it's going to be kind of either one i don't think that, i don't see them really kind of playing well to start then maybe fizzling out and losing in the in the quarterfinals or something um so you know so hopefully the latter is correct and, and i'm right and texas tech pulls out the victory Alrighty, moving on to the big 10 let's go big 10 next we've got kind of you know we've, we've got baylor ohio ohio state is so weird dude and I, i'm probably going to talk about them later on when we kind of get more into our march madness talk but yeah i i am really not liking Ohio State. They they're good sometimes and then they're bad other times like, you know, they they're basically like it's like 50-50 even if they'll win at home. It sometimes it's it that's that's just what it feels like to me honestly, so, you know. So it's just like Ohio State I could you know, you could put them up there with with the top teams, but I don't really think so. We you know, you've kind of got Michigan in there. Michigan State had that big win over Purdue, but Michigan State again is kind of one of those teams that hasn't really been consistent, you know, so far this year and so in that you know that being said I, I probably am going to go Purdue and again it's kind of a it's kind of a favorite pick I'm I'm and I'm don't worry I'm, I'm not going to pick favorites the whole time Tennessee is not a favorite but Baylor and Villanova pretty much are so yeah I'm, I'm going to go Purdue on this one for the Big Ten because again 
they don't really have – I mean, Ohio State we thought was going to be some competition for them this year. They haven't really been competition. Michigan State hasn't really been, you know, competition at all either. And so I think, yeah, I, th- I think Purdue is, is kind of the favorite pick here. And I don't really – you know, barring anything crazy, I think that they will kind of take everybody else down. The Big Ten has been, I think, the most disappointing conference this year. And, that, again, that's not really – you know, that's not really anybody's fault except for the teams that – made that happen so I do think that that Purdue's gonna gonna take this one and, and again I'm not saying that you know Purdue's gonna be really good in the NCAA tournament I just think that in the in the Big Ten tournament there's not really anybody else yeah I, and I think that obviously Purdue's the highest ranked Big Ten team they have been all year uh and so and this is kind of going on I mean this has been almost like four or five years in the making now where Purdue's just kind of slowly increased in kind of their you know their win equity everything they've got going there um and I think the kind of the 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 hallmark of that team is just how big they are they always are but even this year I mean like their their average height is like six nine or something like it's it's crazy they have like three seven footers so there's like always going to be like a seven foot two or taller guy on the court (laughs) at all times which is like that's just completely different than any, any other team and so kind of you know when you're when you're up against that it's tough to just even get used to kind of what's going on but at the same time they've just been disappointing at times like they just haven't looked like they're that team that can just win like when it matters you know like if they are coming back like i just i keep going back to that game and mostly just because i watched most of the the michigan state game last saturday um when like you know they were down by like 15 points they battled back they got it to like within a couple and then they just looked flat and michigan state ended up you know t- taking taking the win so I think I'm definitely not going to go with Purdue, and this is this is tough because Wisconsin, as I mentioned, Wisconsin won the regular season championship, and as much as we talk about Providence being a lucky team, I actually saw that Wisconsin in games decided decided by five or fewer points is twelve and one. So oh Providence gosh. is ten and one, uh, Wisconsin is twelve and one, and Wisconsin's one loss in that in games decided by five or fewer points was to Providence uh, all the way back in like November. So crazy how that stuff works out. But right, you know, if Wisconsin had come out on that thirteen and zero in, in games decided by five or fewer points like that's insane so <clears throat> i don't think they're going to necessarily be able to kind of continue that type of run here in march um even though it's t- pretty much the same argument that i made for providence um, so i should, probably should pick wisconsin i'm gonna go with illinois i think they had so much hype going into last year they had a bad game against loyola chicago in the round of 32 in last year's tournament they lost io to Sunmu, but like besides that you still got kofi cobra in there he's a He's a he's a beast, right? And so like that's and I think that they've kind of just been playing well all year, and 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 they've they've yeah they've had some disappointing results, but I think that you know they've really shown that they can just blow teams out when it matters, and I think that that is kind of what you're looking for when it comes to you know teams who can win who can win their conference is like you know if you're gonna get hot and stay hot, you're gonna want to keep playing as hard as you possibly can, and Illinois does that, and I'm kind of a sucker for them because I had them winning the whole thing last year. I'm yeah. so confident in them, and then they just completely let me down. So maybe I'm just at this point, you know, if they if they if they if they lose early in the big the Big Ten tournament this year, I think I'm, I'm probably just gonna have to hop off Illinois hop off the Illinois train. But I'm gonna ride with them one last time here for the Big Ten tournament. Alrighty, sounds good. yeah, and I think that I'm gonna be pretty high on them in the in the NCAA tournament. Again, it kind of I I don't really like to base my predictions for the for March Madness off of you know conference or conference tournaments because it's kind of like again you know the, the the winning team has momentum but I feel like every other team it doesn't really matter for them in terms of in terms of momentum going into March Madness so I I do think that like no matter what happens with Illinois I think they I think they will kind of have that that chip on their shoulder in March Madness which I think will be will be good for them now moving on to the Pac-12. We're gonna again. The Pac-12 is 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 a pretty good conference this year. You know, you we've got like we've got three teams that have been just really really consistent all year. Not really really consistent, but they've been they've been in the ranks all year. That's Arizona, UCLA, and USC. Oregon was like you know sort of good this season again, with, and also with Colorado. Colorado did beat Arizona last week. You know, last Saturday on that crazy Saturday that we had. And that was cool to see, but I, you know, Arizona, UCLA, and and, and USC are the teams to watch for here. I'm going to go with USC. Um, I'm not going to go with Arizona because I, again, Arizona is so good, and they they seem like the obvious pick here, and I think that a lot of people would pick them. But I think that USC is is also pretty good. They've got um, they've got Isaiah Mobley still there, I think, and that's the brother of Evan Mobley, who 
is in the NBA now and you know is is playing well in his rookie season. But I I actually like didn't even I thought that Isaiah Mobley and Evan Mobley were were the same age and I thought that Isaiah went to like the G League or something. And but he's still there, and I I just found that out like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, wait, that is so weird because I thought that he left, but yeah, he's still there. Um, you know, he's he's a really great player, and then they've they've got some, you know, they, they've got some some other height to them as well, and I think that they get yeah, they just play well in in, in crunch time. I think that UCLA is like UCLA is very fraudulent in my opinion. I think I've said this before. The record is twenty three and six, but I I don't think they really play like it. They when they kind of you know when they fall behind they can't really come back by by any means and so that's kind of where where I'm at with UCLA and then again Arizona I like them I like them a lot I think that I'm gonna like them in in March Madness but I think for this conference tournament I'm gonna go USC just because again it's you know picking favorites for the conference tournament is not always the greatest idea so I'm gonna I'm gonna go USC I think they're kind of up there with that top three they're at the bottom of that top three but I think that they're gonna be able to to pull something out in the conference tournament yeah, I'm going Arizona. You can't take anyone else in this one. I haven't picked a favorite yet, so I'm gonna. This is kind of. I'm gonna use my one, my one bullet here on Arizona as being kind of my favorite, uh, or picking the favorite who is the favorite to win their conference tournament. They're just so good. They're they blow everyone out, and they got blown out in Colorado last week. But that was after they had already played. I think they had already played. I forget what other team they played, but it was kind of like on the mountain. They were in like the mountain time zone and like a high elevation for like three games straight and they were on the road the whole time and it ended in Colorado and obviously Colorado's I think the four seat behind what Hayden mentioned kind of being at you know Arizona UCLA and USC Colorado's the, the next best team yeah. uh, I think kind of them in Oregon but but still so Colorado's nothing to nothing to, and the Colorado got a five seed in the in the in March Madness last year so like they're not a they're not a horrible team it's not like you know it's not like they're out here you know losing to like Washington State or anything but um yeah Arizona's just they're they're a class above everyone else like I think that it's it's just it's kind of fun to see teams in the Pac-12 doing well and being ranked. Uh, you know, as Hayden mentioned, like the kind of the USC UCLA, they haven't been good in a while. Arizona, kind of the same way. But like, I don't know. I just think it's 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 it would be fun to root for those other types of teams. But Arizona is just like, it, I, 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 again, I can't really even name a lot of the yeah. players on the <laughs> team. But like, I just I've seen highlights. They're out there throwing up alley oops. They're just more athletic. Than, than all the teams that they're going to be playing against. And, and if an upset happens, you know, so be it. And, and it'll be good to see kind of a, another another team win here. But, yeah, Arizona's number two in the country. They are for good reason. They've only had three losses. And it was to good teams. Like I said, Colorado was one of them. And then who else did we go over? We were, we were thinking about it last night. Tennessee was one of them. Tennessee's ranked. Tennessee could possibly be in the top ten, you know, once kind of next week rolls around. So, like, and Hayden picked them to win the SEC championship. So, it's like their losses are good. Their wins are good. It's I think the whole team is good. And, and I think that you can't really deny that in terms of a, you know, a conference champion, conference tournament champion who you're going to pick to kind of win it all. Yeah. Again, in Arizona, you know, I guess, I guess if there's one favorite to not really go against, it's Arizona. But again, I kind of just wanted some diversity in my, um, in my picks. And, you know, it's, it's actually kind of worked out so far because Matt and I have not agreed on anything in, until now. I think this is, I think this is a spot where we're going to agree on this and it's the ACC tournament. I kind of saved this one for last. Cause like, Who's really gonna win this one besides Duke? Like I, I don't know. I mean, Matt, Matt's over here. I, I feel like he might go against me on this one, but I, I'm gonna pick Duke because, dude, they're they're gonna try to do their best to get a, a, a top, you know, a top seed, a number one seed in the tournament. They they want that top seed because whenever they're a two seed, it seems that like they lose, right? I think they, I think it's like, I think it's like fifty percent of the last. I think it's like two out of the four last times that they were a two seed they've lost to a 15 seed one was against lehigh and then the other one was against mercer i think and so it's like that i mean again those kind of happened in the past like you know five seven years but again like that those still happen and whenever they're a two seed it seems like they're always they're bound to lose so i think they're going to try to get that one seed they're going to try to win their their conference tournament and you know they beat uh they sorry they lost to unc yesterday which was kind of disappointing because coach k you know, it was his, it was his last game in um, in the Duke Stadium, but I think they're going to kind of come off that game and they're going to be like, okay, we actually need to hunker down and get real here for a second. Let's win this tournament. They've got they've got possibly the the most talent on their team in the whole in, in all of college basketball. They've got two projected top five picks in the, in the NBA draft. I don't know why you would you wouldn't go with them. I think they're going to win the conference tournament. Yeah, and I think that you know, Hayden kind of nailed on the head. We 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 definitely agree on this one. 
I will throw out UNC. I don't know if I want to make them my full pick, but because I was I was kind of looking at like I was just looking at UNC play a couple a couple days ago. It was before they played Duke, and I was like, they have a good record. They haven't really been talked about a lot. I think they can really do some damage. And then of course they go out and probably have one of the biggest wins in program yeah. history last night. And so now kind of everyone's gonna be on the UNC train, like Armando Baycott, whatever. So like. That kind of I understand now, and I'm kind of like, well, I don't. They're not really an underdog for me anymore because I think that people are going to want a lot of people are going to be picking them just because of the name, brand, value, and everything that they've done in the past. So I am going to agree with Hayden here. Let's let's have at least one that we do agree on and, and pick Duke here. Um, I think right. He laid it out. It's just it's like they may not play together the best in, in kind of of everyone in the ACC, but they had the best talent overwhelmingly. Um, and as we've been talking about all year, there's just really – there's no other real competition. Duke is the only ranked team in the yeah. ACC. Like, are you kidding me? There's not even another team that's, you know, 21 or – no, no, there's not. Um, and even the the whole the March Madness projections right now are just so lopsided. Duke is supposed to project to be a one seed. And again, like Hayden said, if, if they win the conference tournament, they probably will be a one seed despite their loss last night. Um, and, and But the, the, like the next highest seed – of anyone in the ACC that's like projected to make March make, make March Madness is Wake Forest, and they're a nine seed. It's yeah. like that's just that just shows you how bad the uh, the ACC is this year. Uh, I think it's like Wake Forest and and um, and who there was another team. Wake Forest and maybe maybe Notre I think, Dame. No, 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 I think it's Miami. Wake Forest and Miami uh, are both projected to be nine seeds, and then Notre Dame is projected to be a ten seed. Oh, and wow. I think North Carolina is also be projected to be a ten seed. So it's that's like weird. Yeah, you never yeah. even think about. It. And the weird part too is with that is just to kind of get into because the, the ACC at least for the regular season um, is is kind of wrapped up at this point, but. Obviously, Duke's the one seed. Notre Dame is the two seed. So, Notre Dame finished second in the ACC. We haven't heard a thing about Notre Dame the entire year. And so, and but they're also, like, technically, like, fifth in terms of where they're being ranked in, in the, like, the projected March Madness rank, you know, bracket right now. So, it's, it's all weird with the ACC, and I think that that's kind of not really going to matter at the end of the day because Duke's probably just going to run through all of them anyway. So, uh, yeah, so I definitely get re- agree with agree with Hayden on that. And obviously, you know, like we said, if there's an upset, great, because I would love to see Duke lose, you know, before they uh, before they win the championship in the ACC. But I think in terms of just picking a team to win, you know, every despite everything else, they have the most talent, they have the most skill, they've been the best all year, and I think they're going to continue doing that. Yeah, it's, it's the safest pick, and I think that's kind of where we want to go, especially in a conference like the ACC where – yeah, you have some, you know, you have an, up, an upset with UNC beating Duke yesterday, and it's just like, yeah, but Duke is over, like Matt said, overwhelmingly the best team in that conference, and they they have been all season. So I don't, you know, I, I guess you you could go with like a UNC or maybe even like a Wake Forest, an upset pick like that. But I think that's yeah, Duke is, is a safe pick there. All right, now moving on to NFL. So we wanted to kind of go over some combine headlines here. We it's really just the first day um, on Thursday that we want to talk about most. I there's some you know there's some like D lineman in the mix and I guess offensive lineman also in the mix that that we could talk about here. And I watched I actually did watch um, a, a good bit of it with the O lineman and the running backs on Friday. Yesterday I think it was D lineman and I think it was like D lineman and linebackers or something something like that. And I watched some of that, and there was there was a cool thing that happened there. But I guess just kind of to to go over some some headlines from Thursday when the wide receivers and quarterbacks went. I the wide receivers apparently were like really really good. I didn't really watch much of that, but they they impressed a lot of people. I think there was like there I think there was six nine or six. It was either six or nine guys that got under a four four forty, which is like insane like that's that's really really good um i think that was maybe unofficial and then official may have been i think nine was unofficial and then official may have been six or something like that but that's still really good i mean these these guys are super super fast and that's kind of what you're looking for in a wide receiver um the other thing that happened on thursday was was you know the quarterbacks went obviously and we saw we saw malik willis we saw kenny pickett we saw um i think carson strong also went and 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 threw out there a little bit too and that's one thing Carson Strong he's like he's got really really good arm talent and that's that's another thing about the combine that is a little bit faulty and that I think I think this is kind of what um something that Matt would agree that is you know just isn't good and it's that basically like everybody was was hyping up Malik Willis because he was making these you know perfect dime balls downfield when when he was throwing the go balls and he was throwing you know 60 65 yards in the air and he was just putting it right in the bread basket for for the, for the receivers but again it's like 
you can make those kinds of throws, but you're at the combine. You don't have pads on. I think they actually do. I think now they do these little like the the tank tops that they wear, or, like the 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 shirts that they wear, have little shoulder pads. It's like little mini pads on their shoulders, and I guess it's supposed to mimic some something like shoulder pads, but it's nothing near shoulder pads. If you've ever if you've ever tried to throw a football with shoulder pads. It's so much harder. Like it's it's a whole different motion, and it's yeah, it's actually pretty incredible. Like you have a lot more respect for quarterbacks when you actually try to throw with shoulder pads on because you see how hard it is. But yeah, I mean, going back to Malik Willis, he 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 impressed a lot of people with his throws, and you know, just kind of like he he just has a lot of charisma and a lot of talent. That's that's kind of what I compare, or that's kind of what I like pair with talent is charisma. I think if if you have if you look good on the field and you look like you can you know, just make these throws like they're just a flick of the wrist, but they're really 65 yards downfield. If you can do that, you look really good and scouts may fall for that. But I think that there, you know, there's all, there's also this element of like, are you, you know, are you comfortable out there when you're getting rushed by four dudes or five dudes who are, you know, all six foot four and 300 pounds, right? It's like that, that's when it really becomes, you know, are we going to see the guys that, that can actually succeed in that environment? And Malik Willis is one of those guys that, I, I mean, people were saying that Malik Willis can't and that, like, oh, yeah, he's just making these throws, but he can't, you know, he can't do this in the game. Dude, he scrambles, like, all the time. And he's, he's so, like, he can get out of that situation all he wants. I saw this one dude, I, I think it was the Rich Eisen podcast, um, and it was a YouTube video of, I forget, I think his name is Ryan Leaf. And he's, I think he's, like, a kind of a regular on the Rich Eisen podcast. And he was, like, he was just dissing Malik, Malik Willis, and he was like, "Yeah, Kenny Pickett was out there, and he impressed everybody, and like nobody's talking about Kenny Pickett. Everybody's talking about Malik Willis, but all he's doing is just throwing it, you know, sixty yards downfield. Is he really going to be be able to do that under pressure? Is he really going to be able to, um, you know, is is he really going to be able to handle like the reads and everything, dude? It's like it's Malik Willis. If if he's under pressure, he's just going to run out of the pocket and make a play. Like it's not, you know, he's not just a pocket passer that's going to stay in the pocket, and if he gets rushed, then uh oh, that's bad news for him. Like it's nothing is bad news for for Malik Willis on the field. That and I can kind of see where Ryan Leaf was coming from. Um, if you guys haven't, just go up on YouTube and 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 search up like Ryan Leaf Malik Willis or Ryan Leaf um, NFL Combine or something like that. And I'm sure that'll come up. And listen to the video. It's it's actually like it's some pretty good analysis. And Kenny Pickett did have a good day. I just think that a lot of people like a lot of people saw Malik Willis perform. And they're like, yeah, that's awesome. And then a lot of and then. Some guys tried to come out and critique Malik Willis and were like, oh, no, man, you know, he can just – he looks really good out there just because he's thrown alone. So is everybody else. He, nobody else is getting rushed, and they look good. So it's like, again, you you know, you, you can't really look at Malik Willis and say, oh, well, he can't make this read and Kenny Pickett can when they're doing the same thing at the combine. They're just both throwing the same balls. It's it, – that was – you know, that kind of – got on my nerves a little bit Matt I you know I don't know what you have to say about this or if you want to talk about maybe the other days in the combine but yeah go ahead yeah I'll just I'll just take the other days I think your, your analysis is pretty good there and, and I agree that you it's all hype right and we saw that I think a perfect kind of analogy to what we're seeing with with uh with Malik Willis this year is Zach Wilson from last year where like he had that crazy that viral video where like he was like running one way and then like either stopped on a dime or he threw it the other way whatever and it was like 65 yards downfield and that like solidified him as the number three pick in the draft and it's like it was just one throw, dude. And so it's the same argument. And the other way with Malik yeah. Willis is like, you aren't able to tell how, and Zach Wilson played pretty okay. You know, he didn't, he wasn't horrible and he's just, yeah, he'll get better. So I think kind of the same thing with Malik, Malik Willis. Like he's athletic, you know, mobility wise, and also has one of the strongest arms of any of the quarterbacks here. I, I do think that he should be definitely, you know, kind of the first quarterback drafted yeah. uh, or at least kind of ranked them. When I think, I think he will be kind of by the time that we reach, that we reach draft time. But yeah, I was, um, Going back to the wide receiver thing that Hayden talked about, yeah, everyone's fast. I mean, it is it was it was I think a record. It was like the most wide receivers that right and that Hayden said that, that kind of ran the forty and under four and four point four seconds. Um, and and I think that you know kind of the, the thing that stands out here is obviously Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who were both wide receivers for Ohio State this past year, and who honestly probably could have gotten drafted last year came back played another season this year um and and tore it up on offense uh for the for the uh, for the Buckeyes and I think that they I don't know I mean in terms of kind of just ranking the wide receivers I know that you know we kind of have 
there's other guys in there, whatever. But I think that like the 40 times make it seem like this guy is going to be better than this guy just because he ran like 0.03 seconds faster. Yeah. When in reality, it's like, no, it matters more how you're able to, you know, how you're able to run your routes, run, read a defense, have chemistry with the quarterback, know where you're going to go, kind of all that stuff that goes into being a receiver that's just not, not just speed. So I think that the fact that they have gotten such good coaching and be, you know, become such good receivers at Ohio state, a place that produces great wide receivers, people who know the game, Michael Thomas is a great example, like people who know the game and, and, and play for a really long time in the NFL. So like, not only do they obviously have the knowledge of the game and, and kind of have been coached to be great wide receivers kind of in the, the tangible skill set area, but they're also running sub four fours in the 40 and basically competing with the top guys. Also like that really shows that I think they're going to be, you know, definitely two special guys, uh, you know, in this, in this year's draft class. And I think that, you know, whoever drafts them is going to, is going to pretty much get an NFL ready wide receiver. Whereas some of these guys who are, you know, like running a four, two, six, like, they may not be as, as ready to be an NFL wide receiver. Yeah, sure, they're fast, and you can use them and you know utilize them in other ways. But uh, but yeah, so I was definitely really impressed by by those two receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. I also watched a little bit of the offensive lineman, as Hayden said, and I, I saw what he was saying in terms of kind of the switching up the drills a little bit and doing kind of more real life type situations. One of them was in particular kind of, you had like a center and guard set, uh, you know, the center would, would kind of, uh, or maybe I think it was guard tackle, but guard would kind of block down as if it's kind of like a, you're, you're kind of simulating a pull from the, from the tackle and kind of going up field where the guard blocks down on the left side. And, and I really like that because yeah. I, it really just brought back nostalgic memories of like, that's exactly <laughs> what I did in practice when I was playing football in high school. So it's like that is so cool to kind to see that and be like wow i remember that being a thing and like the same things that we were being coached to do they're now you know kind of coaching the same things here and and like again that i think allows nfl scouts and coaches and everybody to be able to see the players who actually you know can 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 move right can 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 perform these football like actions outside of an environment that's that's normally just like how many bench rep bench press reps can you do so i I really like seeing that and again not only was it i think better for kind of scouts and and coaches to see a little bit of you know more more of a mobility aspect and kind of real-time football stuff but again as i said when we discussed this last week it was also more entertaining for me personally like I loved watching them. So, um, yeah, so I think that was, again, good change. I watched I, – I didn't – you know, I, I only watched, I think, two nights. And, and one night I kind of watched a lot. The other night it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't too much. And so I think that kind of – you know, again, I maybe didn't watch as much as I wanted to, but there was a lot of college basketball go, that going on. I was traveling a little bit. So didn't have – you know, didn't have the most opportune time to do so. But overall, yeah, I think it, the combine was good. I think that I'm glad that they did it. Um, the, the, the guys that did participate were good. You know, hopefully that can kind of, you know, increase some of their draft stock and everything like that. And, and right, and overall the changes that they, the changes that they did make, I like them. And, and I think that, you know, they'll probably kind of slowly, you know, kind of maybe work this into an evolution type thing and, and, and eventually make it kind of a, a huge deal as it, as it should be. Right. So, um, yeah, so overall kind of happy with it. And, and then, you know, we, we definitely got, I think kind of, we hit the major points here in terms of talking about, what, what the changes were that were implemented as well as kind of the guys that stood out and kind of, you know, who we think can, um, you know, has, has definitely improved their draft stock based on their performance, the combine. Uh, and overall, I think it was a good event. Yeah, for sure. And, and just to kind of touch up on the, on the lineman for a second here, Trevor Penning, who is the, he was, he was a tackle for Northern Iowa, which is, you know, that's, that's way out there. And that's not really a school that you think of a lot, but he's, he's like basically, Dude, he he is literally so big and so tall and so fast. It's insane. I think he ran a four. I think it was like a four nine one or four nine three or something like that. Sub sub five for any lineman in the forty yard dash is insane. Um, defensive linemen are, are usually on the faster side, so they usually get more sub fives. But then offensive linemen almost never get sub fives. It's kind of rare to see. But he's I think he's like six seven three fifty. And he ran a, you know, he, he ran a four nine one forty, and it's just like that is insane. Another guy you guys have probably all heard of him. His name is Jordan Davis. And, you know, big number ninety nine for for Georgia on the defensive line. He also ran, and he ran like a four eight two, I think. And it was like, dude, a four eight. That, that I mean, that, that's seriously what some. I would say that's seriously. That's like what some you know slower running backs or, or um you know kind of slower quarterbacks run is is. And again, like you know, you compare him to a quarterback because he's going to be rushing quarterbacks 
all game. So it's like he's going to be able to track down a quarterback with that kind of straight line speed. It's insane, dude. I don't like. I think he has some some stamina issues because Matt Matt and I were talking about this yesterday because he was like, it, there was a stat that said that he only played something like forty percent of the snaps at um, at Georgia and. We saw that a lot because he would he would sub out on third downs because a lot of times you have different lineman sets on third downs because you know you you want your fast lineman your your fast lineman in there you know you know your your fast like pass rushers off the edge you want those guys to be in on third down because they're most likely passing on third down um, and then you want your run stuffers in on first and second down because that's you know those are the the more likely running downs but I think that Jordan Davis really only has a stamina issue but like. He's one of those guys that if you know if he's not tired if if he's you know if, if he gets his rest on the sideline he can go in there and, and track down your quarterback any day of the week and he's six six three sixty or something like that and it's just like dude he he is he's huge and he's running that fast it's it's actually really crazy and if you guys don't need like if you guys are listening to this and you have you know never really run a four yard dash which I'm guessing you probably haven't unless you played football pretty seriously but if you've never run a four yard dash. Um, mo- like the average person could probably run one in like, I'd say probably like five, okay, five point five to like six seconds. And uh, you know, obviously at the at the combine you see a lot of like fours and and really really low fives, but these guys, you know, offensive linemen who are three hundred fifty plus pounds are are running faster than like much faster than the average human, and it's just it's insane how athletic these guys are. But yeah, that, if that finishes up the the NFL segment, we can move on to our fun segment here. Again, we've kind of got two things here, and I'll, I'll let Matt take away the first topic. But um, but yeah, we've got the, we've got one topic which is kind of the the about NFL commentators and what they might do next season, and then our second topic is, is going to be your wrong man of the week. So Matt, take it away. Yeah. So a bunch of the, and it's not even just really with like the one network. It's it's apparently. But like all of the major guys who who commentate these NFL games, who are kind of the guys that you're always used to hearing, a lot of their contracts are ending with their current network, and they're thinking about going to other places. So I think that kind of to lay out the territory here, Jim Nance and, and Tony Romo are doing CBS, and I think that they're the only duo that's like kind of officially locked in for the next however long. So they're going to kind of continue to be your your you know your your Sunday afternoon CBS. Uh, kind of main people there joe buck and troy aikman do the fox uh ones and troy aikman is like one of the lead contenders to just i think i don't know whether i don't i forget where he's where he's going but i think espn's making a big run at him and so he might like leave fox to go to espn and it's not necessarily that he would do monday night football because espn does the monday night football but uh but something either nfl analyst or, or some type of role there and that would just be really interesting i think just because of how long joe buck and troy Aikman have been together doing the fox nfl sunday and, and that really goes for all these guys uh, kind, of, kind of that i'm mentioning is that like all the major networks who kind of you know host a football game each week have been doing it for so we're just so used to how long everything's been going on i mean even even like tony rome was the newest to the group even with like al michaels and chris collinsworth on nbc um like and Jim Nance and Tony Romo are kind of the newest duo. Even that's been going on for probably, you know, seven, eight years now. So uh, ever since Tony Romo, Tony Romo retired. So, so yeah, so Troy Aikman might go to ESPN. And then Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth obviously do the NBC Sunday night football games every week. Um, it's rumored that Al Michaels is going to go to Amazon because I think, I think, and we, we actually kind of need to look into this, Hayden, because I think that Amazon got the rights to thursday night football games for this upcoming season so i think that it's not going to be broadcasted on any national tv like usually it's like on there was like sometimes on nbc sometimes it was like it was like on both nbc and nfl network there was was always on nfl network to begin with and then sometimes you had on other networks whatever but like i think it's exclusively going to be on amazon this year all the thursday night games and al michaels is rumored to have been to be going to amazon to do that because obviously they're throwing a bunch of money at him and so why wouldn't you and whatever but it's like that's just i don't know i just we're so used to chris collinsworth and al michaels doing the sunday night game and like like that might be switched up. Yeah. Obviously, we've we've already heard news about Brian Greasy, who was one of the three guys. So him, Lewis Riddick, and then Steve Levy do the Monday night games for ESPN. Brian Greasy, he he's like he was a quarterback in the past, and he's been a coach before. So I think they kind of just threw him in the booth because like he's a guy who kind of like has field experience, so he knows kind of how to do the color commentating of what's going on in the game and kind of reading plays and stuff like that. He actually agreed to become a uh, quarterbacks ho- coach with the 49ers a couple days ago, actually. So he's already left the ESPN booth for for Monday night. Lewis Riddick is always rumored to he's they they like label him as like a as like a as a front office analyst 
like NFL front office analyst guy because I guess he's worked in a front office before. I think he worked with the Colts or something. But like, he's never been. I don't think he's ever been a GM before. So it's like they they paint this picture of this guy who's like super knowledgeable about football. He played in the NFL too, so it's like you know he at least has he has a lot of experience both playing on the field as well as kind of the business side of the NFL. But I think they paint him as this like figure who's a lot has a lot more experience or has done a lot more than he actually kind of has done. And so he's always rumored, but he, he will probably, I think eventually, you know, get a, get a GM job or something. So he's always rumored to like, you know, be a, a, head, a head candidate for, for the GM jobs or, or the kind of the player personnel people up there. And so, you know, he might leave. And so that's kind of, I don't know. I, there's not really anything to kind of argue with or, or discuss here, but just kind of the fact that like, it really, we, I don't know. I think it just, we've just kind of taken it for granted or at least not noticed the fact that like, all these guys have stayed with these networks for so long. And we've just been so used to hearing all their voices and it's not going to be too different. Right. I mean, you know, we had Mike Tirico and John Gruden doing Monday Night Football for like 10 years and that got broken up and now it is what it is. Right. Like the product of the NFL is still going to outweigh obviously the commentators because you don't even really get to see them very much. And, and a lot of times if you're watching with other people, you're not even really listening to what the commentators are saying in the first place. So <laughs> I think that that's kind of like that's kind of the, the thing there, too, is like as much as we do you know we're kind of just used to hearing them it's not they're not a prominent feature of the whole broadcast um but yeah i think i think it's just interesting to just kind of see what's going to happen with this i think kind of just more more so to just kind of get it on the radar get it out there than than anything that we're making you know making claims about or like what's going to happen oh kirk herbstreet is the other guy so he he does all college football and i think he's I don't know. I, I think he's he might. I think the thing is like he's also going to go to Amazon like with Al Michaels to do the Thursday night games or something like that. Because um, I think Kirk Herbstreit's been like his, his. I think his ultimate goal is to do NFL stuff, and and he's kind of always been with. He's been in college football for like over twenty years now. So so he's another one who might leave. It's gonna. It could be a major shakeup. Maybe not. Maybe everyone just stays the same, and it just kind of is what it is. But I think there's just been a lot of news recently about like certain guys' contracts ending with their networks, and they want to go somewhere else and whatever. And it's just. I think it's just be so weird to like not hear the same guys that we that we've been used to for like the last ten years on you know kind of these prominent NFL games. Yeah, it's gonna be kind of weird not hearing Colin Chris Collinsworth being like, well, you know, I think you know, in, in the booth with Al Michaels and everything. And that's that. That is kind of you know Matt kind of touched up on that, and that's kind of what I'm gonna miss most is like Sunday nights. That that's just an iconic sound is just hearing Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth do the comment or doing you know announce the the Sunday night game, and it's just it's it's gonna be kind of sad to see all these guys get mixed up. You know, if they do again, it's kind of just still pending and in the mix. Um, we don't really know exactly what's happening except for Brian Greasy, like Matt said, going to the 49ers to coach there. But yeah, that's like. And I feel like that's that's something that we haven't really seen a lot in the past is like, you know, we've seen changes to certain networks and, you know, we've seen, um, I think, it was, yeah, it was like Joe Tessitore was doing Monday Night Football with ESPN for a little bit, or maybe it was Thursday Night Football. And then, yeah, we had like the, the other, the ball dude, I, I forget. It's Sean like Sean McDonough. Yeah, Sean McDonough. Yeah, we had him, I think, doing like Thursday Night or Monday Night, something like that. And we had those guys in the mix and then they kind of stayed there for a little bit and then they left for after like a couple of seasons. But again, we haven't we haven't really seen a mix up with like NBC, you know, the big ones, Fox, like Matt said, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck doing Fox. They've been doing that forever. You know, CBS we have Jim Nance and Tony Romo now, and they're you know, well, Jim Nance isn't going anywhere because Jim Nance is going to stay with CBS forever, forever, because he always has been, and he's just so good. But yeah, it's just like you know, you don't really think of these of these longtime guys moving anywhere, and it'll be again that whole Amazon thing. That I think that's going to be like the biggest switch up or the biggest you know the the biggest factor in kind of mixing this whole thing up is 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 if amazon actually does go through with buying out um thursday night football that that'll be pretty crazy but again we don't really know for sure yet we'll just have to see and that, that'll be kind of I, I feel like that'll get a lot of pushback too if thursday night football is, is being put on amazon because that one of the arguments with thursday night football and this this will be the last thing that i say before we move to our you're wrong man but one thing about thursday night football that a lot of people didn't like in the past was that all the games like sucked everybody was so mad that every game was like you know just really bad and 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 it was like just really bad teams would be would be playing on thursday nights but now they moved it so that every team in the nfl has to play on thursday night at least once and then if you think about it you know there's 32 teams in the NFL and there's I think there's 16 Thursday night games so that would make sense you know 16 16 games and 32 teams two teams playing in each game so that gives every team a, a chance to play on Thursday night and I think they made that change this year in order to kind of make fans happier and say okay well here's your better teams that are playing on Thursday night 
so that you don't have to complain anymore. Um, and now they're just going to give it to Amazon and make people pay for like Amazon Prime or whatever you need to pay for to watch things on Amazon. I don't even know. It's it's really confusing and really crazy. But once we get more information on it, we'll definitely kind of you know give that information to you guys and, and give you guys a better idea of what's going on. But with that being said, we're going to move on to our last topic of the day, which is your wrong man of the week. Again, if you haven't been with us before and don't know what your wrong man is, it sounds like, come on, man. It is when we both give two of our sports events that happened within the past week that where somebody was either wrong or either done wrong or whatever the case may be. So my first year wrong man of the week is going to go to whoever is in charge of stopping the stopwatch for the 40 yard dash at the combine. They were, they've been wrong like the whole entire week, especially with the wide receivers. Again, it's really hard to time a guy who's running past you at, you know, 20 miles an hour. So it's, it's hard to kind of time that, but like usually the unofficial times are pretty close to the official times. Now the official times come out a little ways after the guys run um, because the unofficial times are obviously they're they're taken by a guy like who manually stops the the stopwatch, but then there's also an, an an official time that comes out when I think they like they use a laser or something like that or some kind of other method of like stopping stopping the stopwatch um, to to get the guy's actual time. And so two of the guys that I want to mention are Tyquan Thornton, who is the guy that ran an unofficial four two one forty, which would have broken the broken the record at the combine he ran a 4214 unofficial time and then chris alave ran a 426 unofficial time and so everybody thought oh taekwon thornton wide receiver for baylor just random guy you know he runs the fastest 40 ever ever run and it's just like oh here's all this hype you know behind the 40 yard dash no his his official time turned out to be 428 which is like not even really close to the to the fastest time and then chris alave on the other hand he ran like a i think 428 um, unofficial, and then his official was like four two six. I mean four three six, and it's like, dude, that's like you know you give these guys so much hope after they run, um, you know, with their unofficial times, and then you give them an official time, and it's like point zero eight seconds, you know, slower than than they actually ran. Which again, that's point eight oh eight seconds doesn't sound that much of a difference. It sounds like a very little dif- you know, very small difference, but in forty times, it's actually kind of a big difference. So again, that's you know. This, this dude who was doing the unofficial times was just, you know, playing with these guys, trying to get them all, all excited, and then it turns out that their times were much worse. So, yeah, whoever's doing the stopwatch, you're wrong. Yeah, I feel like with all the technology in the 21st century and everything that we've been able to accomplish, uh, feat, scientific feats in history and everything, we can, we can figure out some way to just tell what the guy's time is when he's running fast. Yeah. I, I don't – that doesn't – yeah, that, that kind of boggles my mind. But anyway, my first year on Man of the Week is the MLB owners. Obviously, the lockout is still ongoing, and I think we'll probably at some point, maybe even a little after March Madness, kind of around the time that the, uh, the MLB season is supposed to, was supposed to start. Obviously, it's not going to anymore. Um, we'll probably do a, a little bit of a deeper dive just to kind of go into a little bit more of the stuff that's been going on and, and going wrong in these negotiations. But anyway, kind of the, 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 the probably the biggest – disagreement thing was essentially last Monday or last Tuesday or something was kind of the day by which they were having their final negotiations. And if they were able to agree on something, then none of the games would be canceled. None of the regular season games would be canceled. They'd be able to start on time. Everything would be, would be going well. And they didn't agree again, the only players and then the, uh, the owners. And so, but the, the way that this worked was basically like it, m- one of the biggest kind of points of, of, of contention is revenue sharing, right? So how much in payroll do the players get versus how much the owners get? And that's kind of really in any in any collective bargaining agreement, uh, you know, arguments you're going to have, that's kind of the main point of contention. And it was just, it, literally the players were like, here's all the stuff we want. You know, we basically, they're, they were compromising on a ton of other stuff and they were like, we just want 50-50 split for revenue, right? And then the owners were like, okay, like we're going to make our bid proposal now and... How about 47%? The players are like, no, like, why would you, that does, that's not what we asked. We're not going to agree to that. And so everything collapsed and they're, they haven't, they didn't agree on it. So they're going to push back these games and it's going to continue to happen. And so it's just, it's a big mess now. So, so the MLB owners are, are wrong for offering this horrible final deal, quote unquote, final deal. Uh, and during the MLB lockout negotiations and causing the season to be suspended indefinitely. <laughs> All right. That, was, that one was pretty funny. Now let's move on to, my second You're Wrong Man of the Week, I've got John Morant is wrong for what he did to Jakob Pertl 
in the, the um, Grizzlies-Spurs game on Monday. Now, again, this was kind of a long time ago. You guys probably saw, if you follow like ESPN or NBA on, on um, NBA on Instagram, you, you probably saw a bunch of videos of this. But not only did he like just put Jakob Pertl on a poster, just at like textbook poster dunk, um, he also hit that crazy buzzer beater where like Stephen Adams launched it from literally from their like their own baseline across the court. It was like the very corner of the opposite side of the court, and John Morant jumps up, catches the pass, and then like heaves it in the air while he's still like he didn't even land yet. He caught the pass in the air and then shot it all like all in one jump, and then just like made just swished it. It was like how dude how in the and it was a buzzer beater too. That was the coolest thing about it. It was insane like. I don't know. John Morant, he is like he's he's honestly making an MVP case at the, at the at this point in the season. And he has, you know, a good amount of season to left to kind of further that case, but you know, we still got jo- Joel Embiid and um and guys like that in, in in the mix that have kind of been in the mix all season. But yeah, I mean like John Morant is just going crazy at this point. And it's cool to see him doing that, but yeah, he's he's definitely wrong for doing Jakob Pertl like that. Yeah, that was a crazy game by John Moran. And he so yeah, he had that crazy dunk and then as Hayden said, he had the he had like the touch shot at the end of the you know, to beat the buzzer. And it was like it was so crazy. like there was like point one second on the clock, so he didn't even have enough time. Like if he was like in the air, caught the ball, had enough time to like adjust his shoulders and then shoot it. No, he literally just like tapped the ball and he just knew exactly where to put it so that it like made the bat. It was yeah, it was insane. And then he also he had like a shot from the he had like a three pointer from the logo where he just pulled up and he he drained it. He had like fifty two in that game. It was it was a crazy performance all around. Yeah. Um, so my final your wrong man of the week is. That uh, it's wrong that Providence won the Big East regular season championship the way that they did. And obviously, I talk a lot about about, about Providence. I think they're going to win the, the conference tournament. I love Providence, but this is just kind of weird, all right? So, obviously, Omicron, with the whole COVID cases and thing, that messed things up during the regular season. Some teams are playing more games than others because games got canceled, whatever, right? But here's how the end of the regular season ended up with Providence and Villanova, who were kind of competing for the, for the regular season championship in the Big East. Providence was 14 and 3 in the conference. So that was their conference record against all the teams that were, you know, in their conference. 14 and 3. And two of those losses are to Villanova, right? So Villanova on the other hand in the conference is 16 and 4. All right? So like they have two more wins and one more loss than Providence, but the the conference champion is decided by win percentage and not amount of wins or better record or whatever. And so Providence because they played less games despite having two less wins, they still got the championship because their win percentage was higher, but they got three games canceled because of Omicron that Villanova didn't. And so if they had just played any of those games, it just, it became this whole weird thing. And the other crazy part is that Providence had 14 wins in the Big East. Villanova had 16 wins in the Big East and Villanova beat Providence twice. So it's like those two extra wins that Villanova had were over Providence and Providence beat them out for the Big Ten Championship or the Big East Championship. I'm like, this, this whole thing was such a crazy mess, but obviously... I don't care. I, I love the Providence one. It, it's the first time they've ever won the Big East. And they're I think they're the the team that like started the Big East like all the way back like a hundred years ago or whatever, and they've never won one. And so it's just like the kind of this all this culminating thing and so I'm glad they won it. I hope they do as well as well as they can in the conference tournament coming up and uh and, and kind of, you know, are able to win that too. And obviously me and Hayden will give our brackets out for all the conference championships on Tuesday, which is I'm so excited for it. We have brackets and we have March and it's the best time of the year. Yeah, dude, this – honestly, I was thinking around, you know, kind of like middle of the NFL season was going to be like the peak of of sports, especially for, for our podcast because we kind of are NFL guys at heart. But then again, like, college, dude, I've we haven't really done – again, we had this podcast that, you know, AZ and I were doing this podcast last year around this time, but we were only doing NFL stuff. We weren't doing college basketball or anything like that. But now that we're doing college basketball and, you know, we can do March Madness and everything like that, it's like really fun to you know to to get on here and talk about these things and it's, it's I don't know it's just it's, it's been really fun so far and I hope that you guys have enjoyed it as well. There's still much more to come because it's only March sixth, so we've still got the rest of March to talk about you know conference tournaments, conference uh, championships, and and obviously you know March Madness, which is which is what everybody's looking for. So super excited to get into that it's coming up here soon. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week uh, not even rest of the week but great start to the week we'll see you guys on tuesday and yeah enjoy